Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings. Today is July 6th, 2017. Here in hot Hilliard, the temperatures have hit over 100 recently and hang out in the 90s, mid to low 90s lately. One of the things I enjoy most about Spokane, Washington is the weather. We experience all four seasons here. Cold, snowy winters, potentially reaching minus 10, and hot summers, potentially reaching 110. With each season, I embrace the season for what it is. And this season is about yard maintenance and outdoor living. (laughs) I am excited to wrap up the season and get outside a little bit. Right now is a time for sunshine on my skin and investigating ecosystems around my home. Exploring nature because part of the time it's freezing outside and it's not very appealing to do yard work in the winter. (laughs) For today we have season 2 episode 20 the 5th of July. For this week, we have listener challenge number 32, wall hanging clear out, thought seed artist L.R. Montgomery, who is a Northwest artist, thought seed music, Tuvalu, and the CD is Ladywood. For the second part of today's show, the recording was from July 7th, 2014, three years ago. Oh yes, and Mustachio points out it's... There's a little bit of a funny number thing where the old recording was 7-7, today's recording is 7-6, and the name of the episode is 7-5. So we've got 5-6-7. Bam! (laughs) As nature intended. (laughs) That recording is entitled Don't Shelf the Self. We'll go over eight points, have the announcements, then a brief music interlude, and then the recording from 2014, Don't Shelf the Self. Okay, for the listener challenge number 32, Wall Hanging Clear Out. Remove pictures, clocks, and pieces of art from walls within the home during this week's listener challenge. Gather the items in one room and organize them into three piles. Keep Donate and rubbish. With conscious awareness, rehang items from the keep pile. Aim to minimize pictures of people and be sensitive towards how wall art impacts guests who visit. So listener challenge number 32, wall hanging clear out about once a year. I partake in this listener challenge because I move about once a year. And each time I take down all the wall hangings, 
put them in an area and think, okay, what do I want to move forward with me? What is it time to let go of? And what is just garbage that for some reason I've kept (laughs) and put on the wall? (laughs) And that's a funny concept that we as humans put garbage on the wall. (laughs) And when I say garbage, they're things, objects that represent some sort of memory and were not intended to be on the wall. For example, a note from someone or a movie ticket stub, something of that nature where a minimalist would throw it away and a hoarder would keep. That's garbage. (laughs) Basura. (laughs) Rubbish. Once the piles are created, then figure out where to put things back on the wall. Be mindful of the difference between convenience and aesthetics. In moving constantly, uh, some places I move into, there are nails and things on the wall and some places there aren't. The ones that have pre-existing hardware, when I first move in, I tend to just be lazy and just put stuff wherever it will work logistically. So rather than what would look best, I do what is convenient. (laughs) And this exercise for listener challenge number 32, this is an opportunity to undo some of those little acts of convenience, we shall call them. Mustachio doesn't like to use the word lazy, so he goes by acts of convenience. (laughs) What is the convenient method? This is the opposite of that. What is an ideal outcome when the future is considered? What type of hardware is going to keep that picture or that clock or that metal sculpture on the wall? What pieces of art look best together? What rooms carry an ambiance for each particular item? In the upcoming episode, Don't Shelf the Self, I go over many points about this week's listener challenge. It was selected back then in 2014, and I imagine it had something to do with the picture falling. We aired that recording last episode. And for the listeners who have been with us on the whole journey, there are little links, little breadcrumb trails such as that. So the last episode, the picture fell. This episode, we talk about how to prevent that from happening. That's a huge piece of what 3H2Humans is all about, is that diligent eye today, a thriving community tomorrow. To act with a long sight goal in mind, rather than convenience. For this week, organize wall hangings. And a link to that is today's Thought Seed artist, L.R. Montgomery, who is a Northwest artist. I enjoyed a Pink Zone conversation with him and bought an original oil painting. There is a link to his website in the show notes. So these tie together. This is another part about what I was talking about a moment ago, where the pieces fit together. I picked the listener challenge back in 2014 And I happened to receive an email about 
an art event from L.R. Montgomery this last weekend. So both of these occurrences I did not directly control with conscious awareness today. The listener challenge was picked three years ago and I just happened to be on L.R. Montgomery's mailing list. I saw this as a sign. (laughs) As soon as I received the email, my intuition said, go to this event. And probably one out of 20 events I ponder or even go to, I have that strong gut feeling. This is important to go to. And I did. And uh, now I have a new piece of art. So when I take all the pictures down and reorganize things, I can add a sense of freshness and wonderment to the art in my home. When Brian and I arrived at the booth, we approached slowly. (laughs) Both of us are a bit apprehensive in new environments, so we're kind of looking at the art. There were a few people in there, kind of sensing out the situation. Both L.R. Montgomery and his wife were very welcoming. They are conscious communicators. And what was uh, funny is Brian said, oh, I think they recognize you. Go up and say hi. (laughs) And I'm shy. And uh, we had not met in person. So um, it was strange. It was an energy recognition rather than a facial recognition. And instantly I felt comfortable. We started chatting about health, happiness, and a humble perspective. And the conversation was a true pink zone conversation where he would say something, then I would say something. And we would comment back and forth, similar to a tennis match, with each thought being evolved from the one before it. I was equally impressed with his painting skills. (laughs) The painting we purchased is reminiscent of the Centennial Trail. That's one of The reasons why I'm drawn to his paintings is because they feel like Spokane. They feel soothing. And the paintings are of nature backgrounds. And that ties into our listener challenge about minimizing photos of people and offensive artwork and those kind of negative energy pieces. L.R. Montgomery produces positive, infinite possibility pieces of art. Each person who looks at that backdrop is going to think of a different place and get a slightly different feeling. And the feeling is guided towards health, happiness, and a humble perspective. It's awesome. (laughs) And for others who are partaking in this listener challenge, Go to L.R. Montgomery's website. Perhaps purchase a painting for the wall. I am a big fan of his art and strongly encourage people to take a peek at the online gallery and check out his booth at art and uh, trade shows. So that is the Thoughtseed artist L.R. Montgomery. Enjoyed a Pink Zone conversation and bought an original oil painting. Next is a Thoughtseed Music, Tuvalu, with Ladywood, 
listened to second album from Tuvlu several times. There is a link to her website, and she is currently on a world tour. At this time, I'm contemplating going to a show. So if anyone knows of a particularly awesome venue or city on her tour, let me know. I originally was going to go to the Seattle or Portland show because those are the closest. But then I thought, well, if I'm going to travel six hours, I might as well go to a city I've never been before. So, (laughs) And it's a bit synchronistic that I stumbled upon her newest album recently. It was released in October, but it was just now that I searched for it and purchased it. And at this time, I could use a CD that I enjoy listening to from beginning to end and regardless of what activity I'm doing, whether I'm doing the dishes, going for a jog, folding laundry, mopping the floor, whatever it may be, this CD kept me up and moving over the last week. (laughs) I've listened to it constantly. (laughs) Even though there are some artistic expressions of Tuflos. Okay, Mustachio <laughs> says to clarify why I'm saying her name all crazy. So I looked into the pronunciation and found out the Swedish pronunciation is more of T-U-V, Tuv, and then L, uh, L-U, uh, Tuvla, whereas the American pronunciation is Tovlo. Tuvlu is from Sweden, and I've been to Norway twice, and I had a Norwegian roommate and listened to Norwegian, which is similar but different than Swedish, and I have had a love for the language and the country and the culture, and uh, this was another happenstance where it was through a roommate that I was introduced to Scandinavian culture. And I would work on my pronunciations, and so that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm working on my pronunciation. (laughs) The last time I included Tovlo's music as a thought seed, I just straight up said Tovlo. I didn't look into the pronunciation. But I've evolved, so. Okay, that's a little sprinkle into why it appears as though I am speaking another language, because I am. (laughs) At the beginning of this thought of her pronunciation, I had talked about how I disagree with some of her artistic expressions. Like one of the main songs on her album is Cool Girl. And girl, to mean a woman, especially in a sexual context, Uh, is something I think is detrimental to society. And it was after Faith Lutz from Washington State University pointed this out, that I understood it. And it takes conscious thought and research and understanding and mentoring and guidance and many things to alter neuronal connections. I imagine Tuvlu has not looked at the word girls from this perspective. And the perspective is there's a muddy line between when is a female a girl and when is a female a woman? When is it okay 
to sexualize a female and when is it not okay to sexualize a female? And the word woman offers a gateway for this connotation, whereas a girl is not to be sexualized and a woman is to embrace sexualization. Sometimes female critics say that I hate women and I bash women and I think the opposite. I'm hard on women because I am a woman and I want the best for women. We need to band together and communicate. Women to women, men to men, men and women. I mean, gender is not a main variable. A pink zone understanding, that's the main variable. And I would like to reach a pink zone understanding with Tovlo on her perspective of girls, on her perspective of the use girl and woman. So there's a few little things like that where I'm in the yellow zone with Tovlo and I wonder what her thoughts are. What is her perspective? It's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just different. And I enjoy the CD very much. I purchased about six CDs of artists I enjoy, and this one rose to the top out of the batch. And that is Tovlo or Tuvlu Ladywood. The upcoming recording entitled Don't Shelf the Self, recorded July 7th, 2014 at the Bridge Street house across the street from the Kendall Yards construction. That area is now a established community in many ways. Or, okay, so (laughs) Mustachio clarifies, not fully established, but much more so than when this recording took place and the structures were being built. Some of the points discussed in the upcoming recording. Number one, the bearer of news will subconsciously alter concepts relayed. Number two, psychological disorders are a cultural phenomenon. Number three, vacations are magical because stimuli is new and exciting. Number four, goal, unhealthy habits harder to access and healthy options easier. Number five, what if Americans focused on well-being during 4th of July celebrations? Number six, Brian and Leonardo talked about subjective and objective reality. Number seven, instead of good and bad, think in terms of progress and hindrance. And number eight, Carl Jung encouraged exploration to better understand society and self. The upcoming recording has tons of nuggets. And this was back when I was a bit more green. And there's some tangents and a little bit of confusion mixed in. But there are many nuggets. Hang in there and enjoy the upcoming clip. Don't shelf the self. Announcements. Welcome to the new folks who have joined the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. I enjoy hearing how people found out about the show. If anyone out there is so bold as to share how this show entered consciousness. Uh, shoot me an email, info at 3h2humans.org. I'm also curious about the people that I've met in person 
and handed cards to and spoke with many times, I don't hear from the person again. (laughs) And I wonder, did they listen to the show? Is it comprehensible? Is it similar to what I had said it was in person? I have so many questions and I would like to hear perspectives from others. There's anyone out there who hears this and met me in person? Hello. (laughs) Hello again. (laughs) I'm curious about how 3H2 humans is perceived. Any little nuggets about that are appreciated. Send an email (laughs) to info at 3h2humans.org. There is a video show from 2014. I had long hair. I wore makeup every day. I was much more into fashion and my outfits and all that stuff. And I'm curious about what is on those videos. As things are right now, I have a full plate with things going on and we'll get to the videos when they come up in queue. But once we get to 12 reviews, I will work on the video show content. And um, yeah, so we thought this would be a fun way to involve the audience for those who are interested in the video show. Offer us a review and some feedback. One thing that we're doing great with the show and one area of improvement. This way we can take these thought seeds and apply them to the editing of the video show. So these things feed into each other. And 12 is a good solid number. We're at six now. A <laughs> um, little lower than I expected, but uh, it is what it is. The video show will be prioritized once we hit 12 reviews in iTunes. Get the ball rolling. Review the show today. Please offer one positive thought seed and one area of improvement. This is the last episode of season two. Season three will release September 11th, 2017. I'm excited to take a little breather from the show and come back refreshed with an optimized show. That's our goal, is each season to have noticeable improvements. That's another reason why we break them down into seasons. Because much like nature and life, art benefits from seasons. Passion projects benefit from a little breather to enjoy a different realm of reality. So that's what I'll be doing. I will be enjoying the human realm of outdoor fun. Gratitude for those who support the show. We appreciate the donations, questions, and support, and reviews, and audience participation. These things help remind me of why I do what I do. And lucky for me, about once a week, I get some sort of nugget. Something to keep me going. A story from someone who benefited from the show or learned a new perspective. It keeps me going. (laughs) Much thanks. All right. Until September. Enjoy the summer. Remember to put on 
sunblock if needed, and the Lost Remedy Skin Replenishing Lotion. Okay, until September. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. Today is July 7th, 2014, the uh, Monday after the 4th of July weekend, and I've just returned from the first adventure jog I've done in the last couple of days. I had a case of lenitis again. Luckily, this time it wasn't too bad. It was only about six hours of pain and nausea, and I only threw up a couple times. So that was good, and I got to rest. I'm beginning to wonder if one of the pieces of that equation is lack of rest. Still trying to figure that out, why sometimes I get sick, sometimes I don't. On the adventure jog today, I came across a property bag. It was from the jail, so it's when people go through the process, the intake process. Their belongings are sealed in a, in a bag. and. With the property bag on the ground, empty, with a name barely visible. I could see the courthouse and the jail in the background. And then a billboard, which has a swing for autism, something like that. I believe it to be a charity golf tournament for autism. Perhaps I am, perhaps I'm not. I don't think it really matters. I think autism is still another label. Uh, because the the continuum is so huge. There's people with very slight autism, and then there's those with debilitating autism. So, <laughs> so do I have autism because I do things like this while jogging to lose weight? I have a little trinket, and I set it down on garbage and make connections to the environment. So I see the property bag, the courthouse, the jail the autism sign, and it kind of makes like a baseball diamond where I'm at the home plate. And I wonder what it means. I feel as though there's something to be done because I do have this gift. In order to fully be happy, to really tap into the wonders of this human life, doing something is a variable, a necessity variable. But yeah, so back to the question. So am I autistic? What, what does the DSM say? What do whoever is leading the autism movement? And, and then again, even that, it depends on which camp, you know, which uh, news outlet, who, who is the bearer of the news? That's going to change what the concept is. Each individual who listens to this podcast <laughs> is... Uh, going to have a different idea of autism. Okay, so I'm going to, this has always been very important to me. For some reason, I'm not really sure. Well, the last outburst I had, I was trying to explain autism to Brian, and that it's much different than the average person thinks it to be. You know, oh, that person has autism, like, oh, you can't touch him, can't, you know, just a lot of Hollywood kind of preconceived notions. And 
I had asked him to Google a video and watch it, and it was of a teenage girl, and she spoke of parallels in our lives, and especially being her age, being a youth. It's so tough understanding that the world is different than people think it is, and then trying to explain to them, no, no, bro, it's not like that, and it's just, I don't know, it's tough. And I just burst into tears. I lost my shit, and... And the look on Brian's face was so funny because I don't really cry. But when I do cry, I just, I lose my shit. And I just started crying and crying. And then he held me and comforted me. And and I think he kind of got it at that moment that there's something there. And I have a lot of compassion and passion for autism and other psychological disorders. See, that's even a terrible word, psychological disorder. It's not. It's, a, it's like a cultural thing. Each culture has their own ideas of what is quote-unquote healthy and what is not. And I think it's important to remember this. And I think it's important, too, to remember that each person has their own individual culture and their own individual idea of the social construct which is desired to live in. So for me, I have my own little program I run, my own little idea of what is America? What is the 4th of July? What is an inmate? What is a person with autism? All of those things create the reality that I live in. And it's different than everyone else. And this is what I guess I'm exploring right now. And it's known in science and literature and whatnots. It's a It's weird. It's almost like it's so obvious, it's hard to see. <laughs> that it's so, yeah, pretty much that. It's so obvious, it's hard to see. It's hiding in plain sight. I think that's what it's doing. And I'm learning how to break this. How to break objects from living in plain sight, as well as have what I call a vacation mindset. So I always wondered why... Vacations were just so awesome. Every life was perfect. Nothing ever went wrong. Vacation life, awesome life. And why is that? Essentially, I'm the same person, although that take that term lightly, loosely, whatnot. Yet the environment is different. And I've been pondering this uh, when I go on adventures. I had a vacation mindset. And that's when I began to think. Okay, so it doesn't have to do with proximity from the home. That's kind of what adventuring taught me, was just going on long walks from my house. On foot, no agenda, no time restraints, places to go, people to see. I just bring something to write with, some cash, and uh, the iPhone. Because it had phone, texting, email, and uh, yeah. And I felt so free. I felt as though the aches and pains in my body went away. The mm, emotional demons kind of went to sleep for a little while. I was free. I could look people in the eye and feel confident about who I am and smile and wave and understand that they're running their own program too. We just, our programs happen to cross and, uh, 
carry on. It's kind of strange. I have a medieval mindset often. And I imagine going through the forest and going through someone else's territory. And uh, just to say, hey, I'm passing through. Offer pleasantries and then pass through. And I think that's a key component is to be honest to the word. So if I were there for another reason, if I weren't passing through and I said I was passing through, I feel as though that kind of decreases the protection spell in the consciousness realm. In the logical realm, it has to do with confidence. So then at that moment, the individual knows they're lying. So it kind of decreases the level of confidence and it decreases the level of protection in the consciousness part of thinking. So when I pass through, I do my best to stay true to that word. And I'm respectful of other people's territory, essentially. So then the question is, why is it, and what is a vacation mindset? Why did the aches and pains and depression and binge eating and just gnarly negativity, why was it gone while I was adventuring? Being autistic and bipolar and dyslexic and fuck, you name it, I'm, apparently I have that disorder. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so why is adventuring the best medicine? Why over Valium and alcohol and caffeine, why is adventuring the best remedy for what ails me? Luckily, I received a huge piece of the puzzle. I believe this question was first proposed in my mind And when I say that, I mean not uniquely to me. So when I say in my mind, it was the first time it was in my conscious thought. I consciously wondered the differences between a vacation mindset and then a normal everyday mindset and the variables which contribute to each of those mindsets. And I imagine many others have thought the same. But at that time, I wasn't sure. It was a new question. When questions are new, it's like, shit, wow, okay, let's do this. So... Today, listening to a Shrink Wrap Radio podcast, I forget the professor's name, but uh, she was the first professor to receive tenure in the psychology department at Harvard. She had done studies in the 70s, and there's one with plants, where watering a plant significantly increased elderly people's uh, life expectancy and overall happiness, simply caring for the plant, caring for something else. So she she was, uh, I believe, I mean, okay, so I feel kind of like an ass to say this, but this is my interpretation. Uh, she was a self-proclaimed pioneer of one of the thinking movements, which I'm not exactly sure specifically what. Anyway, there's that. Okay, so the gold nugget, which I got, um... I've been saying that lately. I got, oh, and can I get, oh, I'm so disappointed in my brain. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I got some fish. Um, That's such a terrible way to preface it. But then I don't like to be proper. May I purchase some fish, please? Like, uh, anyway. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, so the gold nugget of information from the podcast this morning was environment. 
a changing environment. And that was one thing that she had spoke of was the variables in the environment are new and fresh and stimulating. So that makes sense. That's one of the reasons why the vacation mindset is so just powerful and magical in a sense because it's not the same old shit. I absolutely agree with that. A big piece of the puzzle was the California trip I went on where I simply, I felt it. I felt how the stagnation of one's home can really contribute to the stagnation of the mind and the body. It was very clear after this last trip. And coming home to my home, I had to clean things out, carloads of stuff being donated. I didn't want to be in the same stagnant environment, which I left a month ago. And I helped others in California to improve the immediate environment, to kind of remove the stagnation of the home. And even having me as a guest, a few of the guests outwardly said, you know, hey, I had to clean up before you came over. <laughs> I like that. I do like that. And I believe I said the guests. I meant the hosts. I appreciate honesty. I, I appreciate when I'm a guest in someone's home that they still run their own program. I feel uncomfortable when I feel as though someone is trying too hard. So that's, I feel, a big part of my mission, what I'm going to do. And while working in California, I was able to think clearly and be kind of the best me that I could be physically and mentally. So I was very impressed to see the physical body working so well with the mental body. A game all around, fantastic. And one of the main reasons was motivation. I had a clear deadline, which I needed to meet, which was also completely unreasonable and completely undoable but I didn't care. Working all day, it was good for me. <laughs> I want that back. I want to be that busy, to move around that much. I love it. Uh, for me, I like to incorporate whatever monetary, financial, the, I don't even want to call it a job, but ways to increase the income. I like to have physical jobs. That was one reason why I enjoyed dishwashing, serving, and bartending so much. I was on my feet all day, and I had to wear goofy, fancy shoes and fancy clothes and all that, but eh, it was okay. And I liked moving around. And kind of in contrast right now, I've been more on the creative end. I need to catch up on the calendar, uh, writing, kind of my stationary things. <laughs> That's one thing I love about doing audio as opposed to writing is I can walk around. So I'm walking around right now. I jogged uh, 6.3 miles in an hour and 20 minutes and uh, I haven't done the meditation and yoga yet. So I'm just kind of pacing around, stretching out. My back's a little, little tight, so I'm kind of stretching that out. And I think it's important to listen to the body and to move and stretch and bend. That's how the body systems are activated. Similar as the home. The same old pictures on the walls. Oh my gosh, that's right. I was talking about listener challenge earlier about autism. I guess we'll do two today. So the autism one, that's more of define autism. I recommend everybody write down 
pen and paper. No Microsoft click-em-a-jigs, none of that. Just pen and paper. Good old-fashioned, it is what it is, and it's not going to change unless it is consciously changed. Pen and paper. So, yeah, write down what is autism is the question and answer it best um, best possible. Best, best possible way to answer the question, what is autism? And two, if um, there is a sense of zany adventure, please expand as to give an instance. A step even further than that would be to draw a continuum. How well is the autism spectrum known within one's own mind? So that's the first listener challenge. So here's the other one, and this is near and dear to my heart. It is uh, kind of a pet peeve of mine, <laughs> and even more so after learning all this new information of the essential home environment and how changing it, moving around furniture, cleaning, getting rid of stuff, knowing where things are, all of that is so essential. So I would recommend everyone take down every picture on the wall, every picture, every clock, every everything. Just take them all down and put them in one room and look at them. Really see, okay, how long have I had this on the wall? Why do I have this? What does it remind me of? Pictures on the wall are an underestimated component of overall well-being. They offer visual cues, mostly to the subconscious mind. Consciously, of course, we've looked at the picture for years. It doesn't even register, but in the subconscious mind, it does. There are neuronal connections that are made. A whole bunch of stuff goes on, which consciously we are unaware of. And I think that's important to think about. I've felt this, Brian's felt this. I, I think most people have felt where being in a room is just irritating. And it's not clearly known why, it's just a sense. Being in this room, I am irritated. I think one of the best ways to cure that is to clean. Get rid of the old stuff. We are creatures of habit. If there are bad habits which are easily accessible, swap it up. Make the bad habits harder to access and the healthy, good, productive habits easier to access. Okay, so with the pictures, yeah, and photos. I have a thing with people always having the same photos and just pictures all over the walls and, oh, I, I was one of them. I was like the supreme leader offender. I would make collages and there's just people pictures and shit everywhere. And not everybody wants to see that. And there were my friends in the pictures and, you know, maybe that night was a bad night for them. And for me, oh yeah, I have a great smile. I look great. So I'm going to plaster it all over my wall. But that person, that person felt like shit that day. So every time they come over to my house and they see this picture of the night that they had a shitty night, they're going to be in a shitty mood. So it's kind of like a domino effect. Human pictures of people tend to evoke vastly different responses from different individuals. And I think it's very important to remember this, where a picture does speak a thousand words, and there are a thousand words individually from one's own consciousness. So I recommend do a wall picture clearing house. Just take them all down, take them all down, look at them. And if you've had them over a year, I'd say think about it. Over five years, really think about it. Over 10 years, so the 10-year mark, those, those are the tough ones. What to do? 
I have some in the garage right now, so I may not be the best person giving advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard. Those are the old, old memories. So what to do with the classics? I think that's an individual approach. Yeah, so listener challenge, the autism one, define autism, look at it on pen and paper, and then dig into the Google. Look into what everybody else says. Um, the pictures. Oh. Yeah, and so for 4th of July, um, I'm a bit torn. The 4th of July and Hoop Fest both here in Spokane. It's kind of strange where I spend a lot of my time adventure jogging, writing my own program, but looking around, observing the environment, being conscious of the variables changing, the people changing. And with Hoopfest and the 4th of July, it's the people with resources, perhaps an excess of resources, out for these holidays. And it's clear that there's an abundance of resources. The cost and everything of setting up all the basketball hoops and the cost of the fireworks. And then I think, okay, so where do the streeties go? Where, where do the people who normally occupy these streets on a normal day at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, where are they? And why on today do they not matter? I find a hard moral balance between having fun and discounting others' needs. It's hard for me to sit back and enjoy the fireworks show knowing each one of those is quite expensive. Honestly, don't know the going rate, but for the big, awesome, crazy ones, let's just say conservatively, 100 bucks, 100 bucks a firework. I don't know the specifics of the cost or if they're even donated by someone, I don't know, but I imagine there's cost. So it's hard for me to sit and look and observe and enjoy fireworks. Explosions in the sky, beautiful, massive explosions in the sky. The sound, the thud, oh, it's like a cannon, beautiful sound. Fascinating how a person can organize fireworks to set up the color patterns in explosives. And kudos to those folks, much respect to firework engineers, awesome. But what if on the 4th of July, instead of everyone buying fireworks and buying beer, barbecuing at their houses and eating potato chips. And that's America. America is fireworks and Budweiser and Doritos, football in the front yard. But is it? What do people do for the 4th of July? What objectives do Americans have on the 4th of July, the Independence Day, before going to bed? That's kind of how I measure a day. When I rest my head at night, what did I do? Who did I help? How did I make an impact? How many steps closer to my goals am I after today? Can I chalk it up as a win? <laughs> the days I wake up in the morning, those I chalk up as a win. But what if for one fourth of July, we didn't have the fireworks and the beer and the chips and the chit chat? What if we all banded together and cleaned, spent the day in our yards picking up garbage, going to the park, cleaning it, offering streeties resources, clean water, a place to bathe, new shoes? What if that was the 4th of July? 
It was a day of giving back, a day of remembrance that once we too were not free. And what is free? Are we even free now? What to question it rather than to drink another holiday away. I want to live in a neighborhood that does this, thinks of neighbors and community and, and having fun. Giving back oftentimes offers the greatest joy, greatest pleasure. And I know at least in the mindset I'm in now, it's hard for me to sit back and just relax, knowing that so many other people cannot relax right now for lack of resources. And I feel as though I can help. I can do something. I'm figuring out what it is, but I also feel <laughs> this house across the street, the condos, hourglass glued to the table. The men working hard today, the windows are in, the roof's getting finished. Soon, I imagine they'll put siding on. And how much closer will I be to my goals once it's complete? <sighs> well, I feel as though I'm on a positive path. And to remember the California trip, that trip changed me. I'm a better person now. I'm physically a stronger person, mentally a stronger person. I put many of my own demons at rest, made peace with some of my own insecurities and shortcomings. It was so healthy for me to just be alone most of the time, to just work, and other times with family. Didn't see friends too much, and jogged, missed one of the jogging goals. And I think that's another important aspect is to make goals, and if they aren't made, it's okay. So I've been really good about making each one of my 100-mile jog goals, but I didn't care. There were more important objectives. Prioritizing, that's essential as well. So I'd like to go back a little bit to the vacation mindset and how listening to the podcast this morning helped me better understand we as humans can create a vacation mindset at home. And one of the key components is willing to sacrifice vacations for a little while. And I've noticed that about me. It's hard for me to enjoy myself when work needs to be done. Yeah, like right now. Oh, I feel overwhelmed. I feel as though it's hard for me to access that vacation mindset here at home. Now I've done the physical labor and the physical work and what to do with it from here. It's time to do the wrap-up reports, to really understand everything, and yet I'm hesitant. I procrastinate. I make up excuses as to why I'm unorganized with 3H2. There's a part of me that feels as though I'm not ready. But the whiteboard, which I continue to talk about, <laughs> is hanging uh, right now in the front room. So I have uh, 33 pages of writing, 33 hours of edited video, 33 hours of audio content, April 1st, <laughs> didn't make that one. Ooh, and now I've changed the date to August. In addition, 33 guests, 33 pictures, and 33 trinkets. So maybe I have just answered my own question. <laughs> maybe that's the best thing to use this whiteboard for. Progress. Yeah. All right. So I'm feeling a little better now. That was very motivating. 
organization. I'm convinced, at least for me, the way my mind works, the more organized I am, the more successful I will be. Yeah. So I had a great talk with Brian yesterday about subjective and objective reality. And I was explaining to him how I enjoy most speaking with people who observe in terms of objective reality. And subjective reality is much more difficult for me to engage in. And that being in the present moment often produces objective reality because the way to quantify things in the environment are more constant in that both people are there. It's, um, yeah. Subjective reality is more of opinions. So that woman is crazy. Okay, that's a subjective thing. That's an opinion. So she's crazy. And then that woman is yelling. That is more objective. That is quantifiable. Okay, so what is she doing? She's yelling. What is she? She is crazy. No, crazy that, that tells me nothing. Yeah, so Brian and I had a really good talk about how I get frustrated when I'm kind of dragged to subjective realities and past instances where I feel as though the person has no idea what they're talking about, just regurgitating nonsense which was heard through the grapevine. And I have very little patience to sit through stories and things that are essentially false subjective realities. Not quite my cup of tea. Objective reality, yes, and I too speak in terms of subjective reality often. So I'm not perfect, but I am working on speaking in terms which are more generally understood, descriptive, and concise and digestible. That's a key component in speaking, concise and digestible. I know the last talk we had was about conversations and it's essential, concise and digestible. If someone is just blabbing, oh, I don't know. And then I feel kind of like a jerk. I interrupt because I already have the gold nugget. I already know if the person's asking me a question, okay, they propose a question and then start telling a story. A lot of times I don't need to hear the story. Just let's workshop in the moment. Let's talk. A real conversation which is concise and digestible in objective reality. That's ideal for me. I don't know everyone else, but it's important to, at the very least, consider this type of thinking. And I was impressed that Brian had this talk with me. Too often I keep this part of my life just me and Mustachio. <laughs> and, uh, and whatever trinket I have. So essentially my best friends are inanimate objects. <laughs> Yeah, so right now I'm figuring out if that's really healthy or not healthy. And then again, that's kind of a problem in society is just warranting things good or bad. My best friends being inanimate objects, I like to think in terms of beneficial or progressive or a hindrance. They are beneficial and progressive. I don't feel lonely. I feel complete. I feel comfortable keeping all this information and these theories and just being a madman in my own mind, I guess. Glad that I'm able to speak to Brian a little bit more and 
hopefully once we get some of the main variables taken care of, there will be more. Once I get more organized, I would like to take on a partner, hopefully someone who knows about computers and can kind of be that end of it. I'm a bit of a tech tard. <laughs> if somebody sits down and shows me, okay, I can learn, but I don't like, like, Brian will YouTube everything and learn, and I, that just frustrates me. I'm not a big internet person. I like to learn from life. Carl Jung had said to walk the beaches and brothels and jails and everything. Look at everybody. We're all just humans trying to understand what is this? What is life? What is important about it? What is beneficial and progressive and what is not? Meditating, Mustachio brought this up. Meditation Oasis on iTunes. That's what I use and it's awesome. And it's Mary Maddox and her husband Richard. And uh, the meditation style I do is self-taught. It's important for it to be self-taught. Each individual is going to have their own sense of comfort with meditating, with what meditation means, how it's beneficial. And for me, I like to do combo meditation. I do it indoors, outdoors, laying down, standing up, doing kicks and karate chops and stretches and yoga moves, looking at stuff, clearing my mind, laying still. Kind of have two modes. I'm like a, a neuron, a light switch, a shotgun. I fire or I don't. So I'm either moving around, doing my thing, or I'm asleep. <laughs> so when I lay down and do the meditation and really just, ah, oh, it feels good. And I still stretch out, but I get really tired. So I do like to keep active during the meditation and listen to my body. I view... The 40 minutes or so of meditation as body healing and realignment. And that's one of the things I love about the Meditation Oasis is there's a whole gamut of different types of meditation. There's ones for anger and chakras, nature stuff. Um, so I just kind of flip through and whatever it is, focus on that with my mind and stretch out the body. Everybody's body <laughs> is different and has varied aches and pains and areas which need attention. And that's kind of why for me personally, I tend to stray away from meditation like videos or yoga videos and people saying, okay, do this pose, okay, do that. I mean, I, like right now, so my lower back, I forgot what chakra that is. I need to figure it out. Maybe I'll listen to the chakra one again, but it's like my tailbone. Feels like it needs stretching and just my back and my abs, my core, my right shoulder. So then that's what I will do today is I will focus on those areas of the body and listen to them. That's a part of meditation is listening. It's being in the moment. It's shutting down external stimuli in a sense, which is outside of the immediate environment. So I view it like a dartboard. I'm the bullseye. I'm here in my home right now, in the front room. This is the bullseye. And then the outer one, the second layer of the bullseye, is uh, my home. And then the next one, kind of my county. And then it goes out. 
And it goes with people too. So there are different people that are in different layers of my conscious and unconscious and subconscious thought. Wow, that was a Freudian slip with the uh, unconscious. I usually don't use that sub un to lack consciousness. I don't think it lacks consciousness. It's just a different layer. But yeah, so then kind of what I do when I meditate is I bring it in. I slowly take down those layers. I calm my mind from a global perspective down and then to my home and then down and then in in the house, in the rooms. Just take a deep breath. I hear my back crack. Deep breath sometimes I crack. I think it's just the body releasing. Um, deep breaths. And then I think it's okay. I deserve this. I'm worthy <laughs> of spending time on me. And I know that sounds crazy. I think a lot of motivated people tend to shelf the self. Look at that. Shelf the self. Don't shelf the self. In California, I shelf the self, which was weird because the karmatic effect of shelving the self is, bam, it helped me exponentially. And it wasn't in ways I had anticipated. I, I, I didn't have a goal in mind to say, I'm going to do this and expect this result. It was more of this needs to be done. And that was it. That was the thought. Finish it. Oftentimes, the greatest works in life come from this type of mindset. Finish it. That's it. Like the field of dream things. If you build it, they will come. Just build it. And then the magic happens. Meditation is the same. It's the if you build it, it will come. It takes time. The very first time, it's going to be hard as shit. Probably the cell phone will be right there and ring in. And maybe you'll even have... The, the, uh, I use you wrong. Um, and maybe even the TV will be on in the background or something. Some other distractors. So advice for beginning meditators. Check out Meditation Oasis. It's free. Love it and envision the dartboard and think, okay, and just bring it down. Just bring it down to the self, bring it down to being in the moment. And with me here, there's construction going on. But because I've been meditating for a while and the muscle for awareness is um, pretty strong in my mind, I can do meditation even though there's something else going on. And there was a podcast I'd listened to where someone had said that too, that at a certain point it doesn't really matter. So it was comforting to hear that someone else felt that perspective. But in the beginning, try to decrease the amount of stimuli in the environment. And I would recommend airplane mode or do not disturb mode for the phone. Just shut her down. Take some time for the self. Don't shelf the self. Um, a moment for uh, Goofenschnaggen, our handicapped fish who passed away while I was gone. Best fish ever. He was like a dog. And he trained me to feed him and got two new fish. Dr. Mantis, who kind of looks like Goofenschnaggen. He too is a balloon molly with white fins. I think that's one of the characteristics I like. Because these balloon mollies, they're um, community freshwater tropical fish. 10-gallon tank, bio-orb, a bio-ube. 
the way their fins flutter. Most of the mollies have transparent fins, so it's hard to see each movement. It just seems as though they glide around, but Dr. Mantis has uh, white fins. Each little flutter he does is clearly obvious. And it hit me looking at the tank the other day is Tupac, one of the, the fish born in the tank, potentially Goofenshnaggen's son, um, came up to the glass. And it was comforting. And I miss Goofenshnaggen. Awesome, awesome fish. But it reminded me too that his time has passed. He's moved on. And there will be other fish. And to be open to it. To think I can have a fish as good as Goofenshnaggen again. Even though he was the raddest fish I've ever had to date, it is possible for another fish to supersede him. Maybe it's Dr. Mantis. Maybe I can teach him to do tricks or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think it's important to appreciate the things in life which I do have rather than stress upon those I do not have. I cannot change that right now. All I can do is live in the moment and appreciate everything I do have. All right, so it's about meditation time, so I'm glad we went over past one with the conversations. Think of the listener. Think of how to translate into their own individualized form of speech, concise and digestible. Speak from an objective reality rather than the woman is crazy, the woman is yelling. So it's a distinction, which is quantifiable in a universal basis. And today, with uh, the vacation mindset, so the environment. Be aware of the environment in the home. Really look at things. It's strange. The conscious mind sees very little. And uh, exercise, just dive into it. Pick any room in the house. Stand in the room. Do a 360. Look from floor to ceiling. Recognize the texture of everything in the room. The texture. Focus on texture. That's um, quantifiable and it requires a deeper level of processing. To say that the wall is white is one thing, but then to actually touch the wall and then to say the wall lacks texturing is different. See, like this one over here does have it. When sheetrock is put up, it's taped and mudded and screwed in. So the pieces of sheetrock are put down and then they're kind of sealed up. And then there's a, another type of a mud that goes over, which is called texturing a lot of times. So that type of texture is different than what I'm speaking of. Not necessarily the actual texture, but being so aware of something that it's not just glancing. So yes, in the room, 360 degree, floor to ceiling. Think of the texture of the objects in the room. If there are any drawers, cupboards, things like that, clean them all out. Just get everything out. Put it all in the, in the middle of the room and really look at everything in that room. Get three piles. One is keep, things to keep, good things. So just put them all together, organize it, and then put them back. Garbage, things which are garbage. Other, donate and take it right away. Uh, that's essential. So to get everything together, and this is quite important, because taking it just one drawer at a time 
Mm, it doesn't really let the mind fully understand the inventory of the room. So get everything in one area. Do a full inventory of what's in the room. Then put it back as needed with an objective of minimizing possessions. I think it's kind of strange watching things such as Game of Thrones and way back when, when people didn't have shelves full of shit and, you know, holiday decorations and just useless objects everywhere. This is a new thing for human culture. I think it's important to be cognizant of this and to really understand the beauty of an organized mindset and room. Okay, so, and then the two listener challenges, the autism spectrum, as well as the pictures on the wall, and especially human photo pictures. I personally feel as though they have a one-year limit. You have your picture, whatever it is, hanging on the wall, whatever, one year, just move on. <laughs> um, the 4th of July, how I did feel a bit guilty, just barbecuing, drinking beer, looking at fireworks, wondering what is the 4th of July? Who is in charge of the stigmas which go along with it? It's kind of funny. Uh, the strong hand of the media, large corporations, it's becoming more and more clear. And it's another one of those kind of subconscious things. It's hidden in plain sight. So I encourage everyone to, to see, to look, to touch, to feel, to investigate one's home. Look in all those drawers. Organize it. Figure out, why do I have this? Who else can use it? Um, remember those who have nothing. And let's all do our part to give back, to pay it forward, to smile at a stranger, to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think that's important. And uh, oh, essential, essential component is understanding there are frequencies that we give off as humans. Micro expressions, energy fields, vibes, chakras, auras, whatever. Whatever they're called, we as humans are like dogs. There's more than just the words coming out of our mouth going on. Dogs don't have an extensive language, and yet they communicate just fine. We humans have that too. So it's important to remember that and to think, what kind of vibe am I giving off? How is my posture? Am I dragging my feet? Do I have keys just jingling and jangling and making all kinds of ruckus for no reason? What impression am I giving off to those who glance at me? I think that's important. And not to say to change, to make other people happy, but to at least be aware. Be aware of the stigmas and the thought processes other people may have in terms of self-presentation. It's important. And don't shelf the self. So I think that's another key component to beneficial progressive movement. Uh, sometimes, yes, shelf the self. Take care of others. Take care of things which need taking care of. But know when to bring her down. And meditation, the bullseye. So bring it on home. <laughs> All right. So Mustachio and I wish everyone a happy, happy summer. The sun is out. The birds are abundant. And 
enjoy fresh bodies of water. That's what I'm looking forward to most this summer is a cool river swim. I do love cool river swims. So, all right. Um, Mustachio and I wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.